tu scendi dalle stelle, ore del cielo, e vieni in una grotta al freddo al cielo, e vieni in una grotta al freddo al cielo. Wow, that was so <laughs> What about Christmas? Ciao everyone. Ciao. This is Raffaele. And this is Julia. Welcome to a new episode of Guns, Books and Cannoli. Did you like the intro song? It's the most famous Italian Christmas song. It was written in Neapolitan language in 1754. It's just lovely. We are now in December, which means love is all around us, as the old Billy Mac sang in Love Actually, which means that Christmas will be the topic of this new episode. More specifically, Christmas in Italy and all of the beautiful things we are already thinking about in these cold autumn afternoons. <laughs> Very yes, cold. but first of all, uh, a little bit of a disclaimer here about the podcast in general. Um, you may have noticed that we are not really able to post a new episode every Thursday, so we have decided to temporarily change the publishing schedule to every other Thursday without the, the pressure of having to think about a new episode every weekend while we have to struggle with work and wedding preparations and stuff and you know life in general so that was just a little disclaimer back to christmas so how do italians celebrate christmas is christmas still relevant in italy is it a relevant holiday if yes are there any specific traditions linked to it and are there any differences between italy and other countries and between different regions within italy well the answers of course is Yes. First of all, since I can't simply ignore my 50% of Dutch DNA, I'd like to give an example of the differences between Italy and the Netherlands. The most important difference lies in a December holiday that does not exist in Italy but does exist in the Netherlands, Sinterklaas, also known as Sint Nicolaas, Saint Nicholas. St. Nicholas is the patron of children and is celebrated on December the 6th, even though preparations start around mid-November. Um, that's when Sinterklaas arrives in a Dutch haven on a boat from Spain. From Spain, you say? I've got something to say about that later. Well, there's a whole discussion going on in Holland about um, Sinterklaas's assistant, Zwarte Piet, literally Black Piet, and the Dutch supposed racism, but I'll spare you the details. Just know that on the eve of December 6th, Dutch children leave a shoe or a boot with a letter or wish list inside, inside it. They leave it around the house, um, and the next morning, plenty of presents pop up in the living room. It's a miracle! Yeah, this means that to Dutch children, Sinterklaas is a much more relevant holiday than Christmas, because no big presents are usually giving on the 25th of December. For me, this meant receiving presents twice, half from the Dutch side and half from the Italian side, and it felt like a jackpot, to be honest. 
I think we can safely assume that Sinterklaas, if I'm pronouncing it correctly, Sinterklaas, Sinterklaas, yes. not Santa Claus, in the English word and Saint Nicholas are the same figure, like they are the same person. person. Hmm. The why this it's important because Saint Nicholas. It's actually one of the most important saints in Apulia. And, by the way, in Italy and in all the Catholic world. Can I nerd out on this a little bit? Just a little bit. It's very interesting. Here, in, uh, in the south of Italy, San Nicola is represented as a very dark-skinned man. Skinned or skinny? Skinned. Dar- ah, dark-skinned. Okay. Yeah, so. he is black. He is almost black. He is okay. from, I don't know, it's usually his statues are in black wood. I mean, it's represented as black. Okay. I think, but this is my opinion, that this characteristic, while Catholicism was moving around from the south of Europe to the north of Europe, this characteristic was pushed onto his servant when the legend arrived in the Netherlands well there's a, a theory uh, there are two theories about Spartipit mm-hmm. uh, the first theory says he's a moor so he is dark skinned just as San Nicola Nicola mm-hmm. di Bari um, the other theory says that he gets his face uh, darkened by the ash in the chimneys because he has to go down chimneys to put presence in a children's living room so but you know i think that in this kind of legends there are very few coincidences and you know uh, anyway in the south of italy people are just crazy about him like san nicola it's one of the most respected saints especially in the city of bari that's why she was saying san nicola di bari (laughs) uh where we also had a singer in Italy, Nicola Di Bari. Nicola Di Bari, yeah. La prima cosa bella. Oh, okay. It's mm-hmm. one of the most um, beloved names. Literally, every other guy is called Nicola <laughs> in, in Apulia. Why? Not because he brings gifts to the kids. It was because Bari was a very important maritime city 1,000 years ago with important commercial interests in, in Turkey and in the city of Mira, the hometown of the holy man Nicholas. Hmm. And he was a bishop. He was said to have lived there in the 4th century uh, after Christ, when he participated in a defining concilium of the Catholic faith, the Concilium of Nicaea, where he famously slapped the bishop in the face Bishop Ario, because he was denying the divinity of Christ. So yeah, what kind bang. of bishop are you if you deny the? Oh well. Okay. Well, the, he was the founder of the heresy called Arianism. Oh okay. But the more you know. <laughs> <laughs> but according to the legend, Saint Nicholas brought gifts, especially to children, but most of all in uh, the most famous legend to poor girls that did not have a dowry in order to marry 
Uh-huh. And he gifted them three balls made of gold mm. or three apples, according to the different versions of the story. And these are some kind of mysterious mythological representation that probably predate Christianity. I will tell you later what I think it is. Isn't a golden apple also at the basis of the whole Trojan War? Yes. So he yes, was from Turkey, right? We are talking guy. about the same okay, so places. It's, yeah, it's the same place. So it's the yeah. same thing. Okay. And the three apples actually uh, were the apples of the Esperides uh, gardens. Three hmm. golden apples that were in this place to the uh, east from where yeah, the uh, sun comes from it's very it, it's it, it all, it all enough comes with together. the nerding enough with the nerding it, it let's all move back to christmas together. christmas no christmas, I'm, christmas. I'm, I'm going to christmas but everything comes together listen to it so so wh- what's going on why it's important saint Ni- san nicola for <laughs> italy why because when the city of mira in turkey fell to the ottoman empire muslims a crew of pious pirates which pious is, pirates is i love the this. best definition ever yeah, by the pious way pious pirates of Bari. A pious pirate can you imagine like jack sparrow I'm pious, a pious jack sparrow <laughs> they embarked on a quest they wanted to steal the body of saint nicholas and bring him to their city because of course that was a, the biggest honor one could, mm-hmm. could bring now according to the story they had competition from another crew of mariners from, from naples ha huh. how quaint <laughs> yeah they arranged the deal it was supposed to be a race like mm-hmm. we depart on the same day and the first to get to turkey would bring back the saint's body in the end, the seamen from Bari just decided to cheat. <laughs> they set sails one day before, and they were this able is to nothing get their to first. do with stereotypes about Southern Italian yeah, being um, cheaters. It's totally not related. Anyway, anyway, if any of you were wondering where Santa really lives, it's not in the North Pole. It's not in Lapland. It's in Bari. <laughs> A beautiful seaside city in Apulia. Of course, the people may not be the most trustworthy, (laughs) but this is actually the legend. They are very proud of this story. Anyway, anyway, as Julia just said, in Italy, Christmas is a very important holiday, not just to children, but to everyone. But at the same time, traditionally, it was not directly associated with gifts. Uh, those were given on different occasions, according to different regions. In the south, that could happen on the day of San Nicola, uh, but mostly after Christmas on the day of the Epiphany, the 6th of January. When, according to the tradition, the three mages kings gave gifts to baby Jesus. Only here the gifts are given by a witch-like figure, which reminds me of the Russian babushka, uh, called La Befana. Uh, an old woman that lives in Tuscany or near Naples. There are a couple of houses of La Befana. In the north of Italy, gifts are traditionally exchanged on St. Lucy, Santa Lucia, the 13th 
of December. It's not a random day because in ancient calendars in the Middle Ages, this was actually near the day of the solstice when days are shorter. Now that day, well, after that day that falls on the 21st of December, after these three days, the sun starts rising again and days get longer. So three suns, just like the three golden balls of St. Nicholas, yeah, the this three is golden apples full-blown of the complot theory. It's not complot theory, it's mythology. <laughs> it's true. Complot. Yeah, because there, there are three balls that recur <laughs> since centuries, since millennia, but it's just a coincidence, you know, because we like apples okay yeah so three suns just like the three golden balls of san nicola the fact that the sun after three days starts to rise again uh, for a longer time it's a really big gift oh yeah yeah like you mean in an agricultural society yeah. ah yeah yeah well that sense yeah yeah i'm not a farmer but it's a gift to me as well and that's why everyone gets gifts nowadays and that's why the gifts are given three days after the solstice solstice right now okay the day of i guess that makes sense but anyway it's still an important social event and christmas is where families meet and gather not where when families meet and gather to eat plenty of food and exchange presents Uh, But it is also a religious holiday, of course, and a very important one, considering that Italy is, after all, still an overwhelmingly Catholic country. Indeed, when most people associate the image of a Christmas tree to Christmas, as an Italian, the first thing that comes to mind is a nativity scene, or a presepe. Uh, They are especially popular in southern Italy, again, and the city of Naples is renowned for its crafting of real-size nativity scenes, which can be made of wood, ceramics, porcelain, papier-mâché, as it's customary in Lecce, or other materials. I just wanted to add that the presepe was invented by San Francesco, by St. Francis, of according to the tradition. Yeah, so yeah, it, it yeah, started right. in Assisi. That's true, yeah, that's and it, it, it went everywhere in the center of Italy. In the south, of course, we like this kind of, you know. Because yeah, your guys are so sober. Like, kitsch. Yeah, kitsch, it, it, kitsch. I love it. I just love well, it. It's very nice. But anyway, mm, I read online that Christmas trees were not really that popular in Italy until after World War II. And they became somehow part of the collective unconscious when Pope John Paul II, who was Polish started this tradition of having a gigantic Christmas tree put up for display in St. Peter's Square, right next to the nativity scene. And in Italy, nativity scenes are prepared and set up together with the Christmas tree on December the 8th, the day of the Immaculate Conception, which is also a national holiday. And they are put away on January the 6th, the day of the Epiphany, La Befana. So what do we do? We usually make this, we take a table, we cover it with uh, uh, a nice cloth. Uh, yeah, a nice cloth. Uh, we put all the tiny statues of the uh, people. Uh, the village of, of the village of Bethlehem. Of so course, this, the Holy Family, but there are also 
these little yeah all these figurines having different kind of jobs you know i yeah. remember and a shepherd the shepherd is essential with lots of sheep <laughs> yeah there is and the a dog shepherd, there are buellasinello which are like the ox and uh, the donkey, donkey yeah which according to some traditions were there to heat, heat up heat up baby jesus with baby their jesus. breath and uh, there is the star uh, comet star yeah, yeah. The comet star and all these statues have jobs as julia was saying it's amazing because nowadays they put there every kind of job like you can imagine and even funny figures you know it's a little bit kitsch mm. but it's you know it shows that everyone gathers around this yeah and it's a family sport to find out the figurine that you cannot find i mean some some someone always gets lost in the process and sometimes you cannot find baby jesus and oh and usually you hide baby jesus of course until the 24th of yeah. december yeah because you you need to put it there on the night right after the the christmas uh, mass is celebrated okay so we set so. up the nativity scene we set up christmas tree we enjoy a nice lunch together we take a long walk outside or a nice stroll down the city center yeah all over italy sorry <laughs> well of course not all italians are catholic so there are families out there that do not have a presepe and do not put it on display but preparations are of order everywhere and of course the following weeks are marked by christmas shopping we already started. Uh, I hope nobody of our family is listening to this podcast <laughs> or understanding it at the very least. But usually you dedicate these weeks to find the time to think of a nice present, to give your family members and spend a lot of money yeah. in the process. But, you know, it, it's something that you reciprocate, so it's fine. You buy stuff that you don't need. As it's customary. No, we we actually bought very <laughs> useful things, I think. I mean, yeah. we've been very good at imagining, trying to imagine what everyone could need. Which, of course, doesn't mean we only give useful gifts. But, okay, well, enough. I know that this is kind of obvious for our friends in the Western Hemisphere. But we have listeners from Korea. So maybe... Hi you know. there. How do you say hi in Korean? I we have to look I that up. I don't know, but we say hi to you. Okay. And then, usually, on December 22nd or 23rd, you go on holiday, you join your family, which, of course, for a southerner like me, means getting on a train for six to nine hours and getting to the deep side of the country. Uh, in this case, to Lecce. That's right. And yeah, for me, the journey could actually be shorter since my parents live in Tuscany, uh, which is a two hour drive from here. But the point is, you usually get to your family home. So either your parents or your grandparents home. Of course, you need to manage because when you are a couple, like in our case, you need to spend one Christmas here and then the other yeah. holiday there. And yeah. then, you know, you need to make a tricky balance, happy. tricky balance. 
And then comes Christmas Eve, and presents are piled under the presepe, or under the Christmas tree, and you have a fish-based dinner with lots of relatives. The fact that it's fish, it's because it's like a Catholic precept. Mm-hmm. The, the day before huge celebrations of Catholicism, you are not supposed to eat meat, but mm-hmm. you are supposed to have a party, so you eat fish. Makes sense, I guess. Mm-mm. Yeah, the Bible and yeah, the Gospel has a thing for fish. Lots of fishes. Yeah, multiply your okay. fishes. <laughs> so then <laughs> at midnight you go to Mass, if you're Catholic, of course. Well, this is a bit different than in the Netherlands, um, as far as I can remember at least. I have childhood memories of Christmas Eve in Holland, and I still remember lots and lots and lots of food being eaten, and sweets. the sweets are also excellent. Then comes Christmas Day. Yeah. If you're still alive after eating all the fried uh, food and all the fish and the sweets and the chocolate. Yeah, but that's not what you eat on Christmas Eve. You only have, you're only supposed to have dinner. You're not going to eat the sweets, right? No. After dinner, one, you you eat panettone. After dinner, you eat peanuts this is totally a southern Italy thing, by the way. This is a southern Italy thing, but yeah. you are supposed to keep on eating until you cards, die. <laughs> playing cards. And then go to mass. Then go to mass. Once it's you know midnight, you put the baby, baby Jesus, Jesus in the nativity, in the scene. nativity scene. You have a glass of wine. Or two. And you and go to bed. Yeah, supposedly. So then the next but day... It's, it's important that you play cards. It's like, you know, that's very that's a very traditional thing. Okay. You are supposed to lose money. That's southern Italy still. But anyway, <laughs> the next day, Christmas Day, is a day of big celebrations and Lucullian family lunches. Again, presents are opened, children are distracted, and adults proceed on eating a disproportionate number of courses such as appetizers, antipasti... Primo, first course, secondo, main course, with contorno, side dish, then sweets, coffee and fruit. And of course, here is where the renowned Italian diversity triumphs with many different menus. And in different Italian regions and sub-regions and cities, there are different specialties with different names. For example, in Apulia... In specifically in Salento, usually for Christmas lunch, you have to start with the pittule, <laughs> which are like uh, some deep fried dough balls. Dough. Dough balls. Balls again. Balls again. Notice there's a pattern there. Balls, yeah, balls, balls. Plenty of balls. Are, <laughs> they are golden. So, you know, we are onto something. Adding here. to the conspiracy theory. And, you know, they are plain or with stuffings, with cheese or with tomatoes or with anchovies or with broccoli. That's so good. And um, then you eat, of course, cold cuts. Then you have a nice primo with pasta, like pasta al forno 
or sanyan canulate, which are kind of and handmade tagliatelle, but without eggs. Served with fresh tomato sauce, orecchiette with fresh tomato, grated ricotta cheese, and roasted meat. With I'm kind of burping, right? I feel like I'm going to burp. Oven baked <laughs> potatoes, leafy greens, and lentils. Chicory, chicories, and lentils. Yeah, lentils are believed to be bears of good luck, meaning money. Yeah, but they are actually usually... Um, eaten on the uh, New Year's Eve. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, that's true. But still. Those days tend to be uh, a single mashup of food and uh, alcohol and confusion, you know. You just, you need a month to recover from that. You start a diet on the New Year. Yeah, that's the new, like, New Year, uh, how do you say, propositi? Well, we'll get to that later uh so you just can't beat the south when it comes to uh food and the ridiculous amount of food italians eat but tuscany where i come from has some spectacular christmas courses too um as an appetizer we usually have bruschetta bread with different toppings um fried polenta sticks with ragu wild boar being the most popular option Chicken liver pate croutons, crostini coi fegatelli, smoked salmon croutons, cold cuts and cheese. Um, as primo, uh, you usually eat pasta fresca, so freshly made pasta. Uh, be tortelli, ripieni di ricotta, so ricotta stuffed tortelli with ragù or potato stuff, stuffed ravioli. Or then again lasagne, you just can't escape the tradition. And... Another really, really popular option are tortellini in brodo, originating from the area of Bologna and Modena. So, small pasta stuffed with raw ham, mortadella, parmigiano-reggiano, ricotta cheese, black pepper and nutmeg, and served in hot capon broth, brodo di cappone. Romagna, where we live, has a similar tradition, the main difference being the type of pasta, because Romagnoli care about this kind of thing, so... They eat capelletti, cheese-only stuffing instead of all the raw meat, mortadella, etc. Um, instead of tortellini. And for a main course, Toscans love a pork roast or a wild boar roast or a, also a duck confit with orange roast. With baked. After all of this, really, I feel the need of something sweet. Like, like a, uh, no, I want un digestivo, some, some like, a, like, a, like a, how do you say? A Don't you have digestive? space for some dessert, like in Salento, at this point, uh, you need to eat some Christmas sweets, which are usually based uh, of uh, almonds. Almond-based. So, like, uh, you make this almond... Uh, um, Paste. Pastries. Pasta di mandorla. Yeah. Uh, you usually make it in the shape of a fish. Mm-hmm. Or in the shape... Yeah. You of a ball? No, no ball. <laughs> no. <laughs> you make it in the shape of a fish. And you stuff the fish with chocolate uh, <coughs> or marmalade. Okay. Or you uh, mix this almond uh, 
mixture with uh, flour and you deep fry everything and you cover it with honey, with honey <laughs> and you sprinkle little sugar sprinkles sugar sprinkles over it don't you have uh, diabetes guys i have i have diabetes by now but okay okay so and of course pandoro and panettone mm-hmm. which yeah. are like the most famous and widespread uh desserts for the christmas time yeah in tuscany i have to say we also have almond based sweets now that i think about it it's um we have something delicious called ricciarelli they originate from siena and they are this almond shaped almond pastries covered with um well coated with vanilla sugar we also have panforte which is a kind of how would you define panforte well it's a mix of almonds and candied fruit Uh, very sticky very nice and of course torrone torrone is also another big hit in yeah that's made on with, christmas uh, day i think um, egg, caramel, whites. egg whites and almonds <laughs> again and almonds. we have yeah. a thing for almonds but also hazelnuts and pistachios um anyway mm, of course wine is uh, a prerequisite to digest all this stuff and then you have coffee and then you have grappa grappa and liquors like vinsanto so uh, how do you translate vinsanto vinsanto it's kind of wine that is it's a sweet um, dessert wine it's yeah it, it's a, a bit like the thing that you may know is that right now once your uh, imagination is probably titillated by <laughs> all this list of different foods you have the time to study find some nice recipes find mm-hmm. some nice ingredients and prepare yourself to bring something to the christmas table wherever you are you will be welcome to italy that was a kiss <laughs> so um if you'd like to tell us a bit about how christmas is celebrated in your country or in your family if you have any specific traditions you'd like to describe or if there are any significant differences between your country and italy please if you if maybe you are an italian abroad or a second or third generation italian and you feel that your family has brought something uh, from italy some tradition that is still alive please share it with us yeah uh, you can visit our website gunsbooksandcanali.com you and can twitter. reach us on social media so twitter or instagram and you can also send an email to gunsbooksandcanoli at gmail.com. We look forward to hearing from you. See you next time. Bye-bye. Arrivederci.